Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 29, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 38, the last paragraph beginning with some of you. Today's readers are, reading the OA 12 Steps is Sharon B., reading the OA 12 Traditions is Leslie F., and reading the literature are Becca W., Du L., and Sharon R.S. The reference number or share ID for Sunday, January 18th, is 7196. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sharon B. to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning, Sharon B. in New Jersey. Very grateful this morning, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. Can you hear me okay? I can, Sharon. Okay. The 12 Steps, number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon B. I will now ask Leslie F. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Leslie F., recovered in Illinois. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you and pass. Thank you, Leslie F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism on page 38. I will now ask 
Becca W. to get us started by reading two paragraphs. The first paragraph, beginning with some of you, will be read for context. The second paragraph, which ends with take another illustration on page 39, will be the focus of our comments. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Becca W. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Becca. Wonderful. Thanks so much for your service. Um, This is Becca W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Maryland. Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are not able to stop or moderate, or are able to stop or moderate, because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and and re-emphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Okay, so again, this is Becca W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, Wow, uh, this is this is such an amazing. I mean, this is this is the meat of our program right here. I mean, this is where we switch from from one thinking to another, and um, I can just illustrate this by you know I I had I had tried tried every diet out there, and then um, recently about a year or two ago, um, I thought okay I'm going to take nutrition classes, and I went out and I paid all this money for these um, organic nutrition classes, learning all about real food. I mean, the end result after these 40-plus hours was eat real food. And you know what? I still use that um, today for myself, and I I use it with my sponsees. It was amazing information. But I left that class, and um, I had just started away. And boom, right away I lost 50 pounds, 50 pounds. And I was like, I've got this. This is great. And then, um, and then I benched and I crashed and I couldn't understand why. And someone, um, someone came up to me and I was glad, you know, sometimes, you know, we have all these different personalities in, um, in program. And sometimes, you know, we always, well, always we have to put um, principles before personalities. But that day I was glad she came up to me and she just kind of looked at me and was like, why aren't you doing this step? And you know what? That's, that solved my problem. I was I was humble enough. I was willing enough. I was vulnerable enough. I got myself to a point where I just said, you know what? It's not about self knowledge. It's like going to play mini golf, right? You get up there. You get maybe you get a hole in one. Yeah, good for me. I could play this golf thing. And then you get out there on the course. And the first time I ever played real golf, I was like a hundred shots over. You know, I didn't, just because I could do like mini golf and just because I, I, you know, knew like, okay, you take the club and you bring it up here and then you swing it through and you put your feet here and you, you know, your back is like this and your hips do this. I mean, you can read all the books you want. You can watch Tiger Woods all day and be like, I got this. But you know what, until you put it into practice and until you fail and until you rely on others to help you, 
I mean, we, we can't do this on self-knowledge. You know, I can't, I can't open a book or, you know, take that nutrition class and say, okay, I, I've got the problem solved now. We need these steps. We need them. And today I'm recovered because of these steps. And I worked hard. I did that work. I didn't cut corners. And today, you know, it's like I say to my sponsees, you're in a cocoon for a while. Yes, it's going to be a lot of hard work. You'll be in that cocoon. And um, I promise you, if you do that hard work, it's going to open at some point. And you're just going to emerge as this beautiful butterfly. It's worth doing the work. We can't do it on self-knowledge. It's not worth it to white-knuckle it because we'll white-knuckle it over and over and over and over again until we find the solution. And the solution is the steps. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Becca W. Who would like to share on this this second paragraph that Becca read? I heard Sarah W., and I think I heard Larry. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Kim? Is someone a, Kim? Anyone else? Katie F. Kathy oh. K. Okay. Vasa. Okay. Why don't we go with those for starters? Sarah W., Larry, Kim, Katie F., Kathy K., and Vasa O., Go ahead, Sarah W. Thank you. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. I'm in good. I'm in good uh, company here. Uh, my name is Sarah W. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I like the sentence, but the actual potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will hardly will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And obviously, this is, you know, for us as compulsive overeaters, extremely important information. It's italicized. Um, it's um, It's been my history. Um, I came in the program in 1995 uh, into OA, and I really um, was, was blessed with um, wonderful abstinence and you know, somebody that my second sponsor led me through the big book beautifully, and I got full of myself. And um, after 80 pounds of weight loss, and you know, really being, you know, so full of, unfortunately, I'm full of self still. Um, you know, uh, after five years, uh, started putting back on my weight. I moved to Iowa where there was no program. But the thing I wanted to say is that I. Um, I gained over 110 pounds and that I went into a, a weight loss program. You know, I had the I had the, the program in my head, but I thought one, two, three kind of thing. And I think a lot of us, you know, do that. And um, anyway, um, I lost a lot of weight with this weight loss program. But then, of course, I wasn't able to stay stopped, and that's the that's the problem. And I thought I knew it all. Uh, you know, the lack of humility was another part of it. So um, after putting on the weight, um, I I thought I would go to another weight loss program, and that I would be able to, you know, count points and that kind of thing. And I I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. I couldn't be given back all these foods. It just wasn't something that I could do. 
because I'm a real compulsive overeater. So then, you know, I I finally came back into the rooms on the phone because there's no meetings within 75 miles, and I've been able to release uh, all the 10 pounds of of my weight, which I'm hoping that that will be what what God's plan is for me. But anyway. Um, the point I, I'm, I'm trying to bring home is the fact that self-knowledge availed me nothing. It was only through working the steps that I'm able to have, um, you know, neutrality around the food. And, um, you know, I did have to tweak my, my food plan a little bit recently because, you know, nuts and, and peanut butter are just not something I can do, and I have to take ownership of that. Um, you know, it's just not not something I can do. So with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sarah W. Larry K., is it? Yes, uh, it's it's Larry K., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater um, from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Yeah, this this, um, takes on great meaning for me, too, um, because, um, you know, self-knowledge avails us nothing. You know, for me, my experience was that, you know, being... You know, I was trained, you know, my schooling. I was trained uh, um, in the social sciences. I'm a clinical psychologist, after all. You know, I only mention that because um, it it, it applies so much to this this paragraph because part of our training is to go through uh, long, long, um, you know, archaeological dig, if you will, on self. (laughs) You know, peeling away the layers of the onion. I mean, after all, if you go through um, psychoanalytic training, and which is, uh, you, you know, it's, it's much more than that, but I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of peeling away the layers of the onion to get to the core of those innermost drives and all the, all the mechanisms of the brain and, um, and, and feelings and motivations and thinking and all these things that, go, that make us human and really drive our behavior because as, as it's been said on this line, you know, all action is born in thought. So all our behavior it starts with a thought. So here I am, someone who's trained in this area. If I'm going to try to help other people, can you imagine that? Someone with this disease trying to help other people with their relationships, with their 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 stuff in their life, right? It, it was challenging to say the least. But so I, I thought I had a tremendous amount of introspective self knowledge, and yet. I could not stay stopped from binging my brains out day after day after day. So while I could study, while I could read a tremendous amount and perhaps comprehend perhaps and absorb a lot of information, even someone like that, you know, who, who has this disease, this, this twofold, the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, even that type of person, you would think that uh, I would have plenty of self-knowledge. It wasn't enough to, uh, it was no match for this disease, see, because I didn't know what I was up against. What I was up against was this, this, um, this spiritual malady, which would, which would require that I embark upon a spiritual solution. No amount of technique or psychological training or anything would, would get me out of this, this morass, you know. And so, yes, I am a perfect walking, breathing example of where self-knowledge avails us nothing, nothing. I had to have a complete spiritual transformation to, uh, and, and, and the rest is history. Um, now I just have to maintain my fit spiritual condition. Uh, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. 
Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. So I think it's so important that we look at our own experience, and for me, too, the experience of the other people in the rooms. You know, so for years, I thought food and weight was my problem. And when I was in a meeting and they asked if there were any other compulsive readers here, I would raise my hand. But what I was saying was, I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore, or I'm no longer fat and I'm terrified to get fat again. So what I want to smash home is, what is a compulsive overeater? You know, it's, it's a twofold illness like Larry was saying. It's an allergy of the body. I have the inability, once I ingest certain substances, to reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. I cannot control and enjoy my eating. It is a permanent disability. Check your experience. Have you been able to go for a period of time not eating your foods and then pick up those foods and just be able to moderately eat it? Check in your meetings. Those people that say, no, 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 it's just the behavior, I can eat whatever I want, are they people that can stay abstinent? Are they people that are, are, are working towards a normal body size? Or is there fat serenity in your room, which was my experience? And the second part, do you have an obsession of the mind? You know, I used to hear so often that abstinence makes you feel better, and it does. It made me feel anger better, anxiety better, depression better. My real problem is I can't get abstinent and happy. I used to say that abstinence was the most important thing in my life today without exception. That's like studying for a test and hoping for a 50%. Don't pick up no matter what, think to drink through, don't get hungry, angry, lonely, tired, avoid people, places, and things. Those all are addressing the allergy, but if you have an obsession of the mind, employing those techniques might work for a while, but in my experience, it leads to a bigger explosion than ever. The only thing I have found that works on the obsession of the mind is working the steps and getting a connection with a higher power. So my experience of working a program of abstinence only, employing the tools as a program versus the tools as a way to work the steps meant that I was going to be restless, irritable, discontent, white-knuckling it through my day, constantly having to, to employ all these things, just hoping to go to bed exhausted and abstinent. But by putting down the food 100%, working these steps and becoming recovered, My experience today is I no longer want my binge foods. I get to live a life free from the obsession, and then the allergy is academic. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Katie S. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just... um, you know this uh this paragraph is so important because I came to o a when I was fourteen and I thought that um I was unique and so i I didn't think that it, any of it applied to me and I went on my merry way and then I came back when I was twenty one um heavier than I had been the first time and you know in the rooms i um I tried to make myself um unique. And I tried to make myself not, you know, quite as bad as as the other people, 
And so, you know, I just got all kinds of self-knowledge, you know, just so much naval reflection of just, well, when this happens, then I do that, and when that happens, then I do this. And, you know, just round and round trying to rearrange my world so that I wouldn't get myself into these circumstances that caused me to eat. You know, I just, um, I, you know, this line that says, um, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Well, I, I didn't believe that. I just thought that if I figured this all out enough that I would be able to, you know, put all of, all of the information that I got from going to hundreds and hundreds of meetings. You know, every day for years I went to meetings. And yet I kept getting fatter. I kept picking up the food. It kept getting worse because I didn't want to believe that I um, couldn't recover on my own. And And yet I thought I was surrendering. You know, I put my hands up. I surrender. Please, just just tell me what to do. But then when someone would tell me what to do or tell me what they did, I didn't really want to do what they said. So, you know, I just had my own stuff going on. So much of the time, I was, could not get out of my own way. And until I was ready to drive off the road because I couldn't stand myself anymore, then I was willing to listen. Then I was willing to do whatever you told me to do, whenever you told me to do it, however you told me to do it. And until I was to that point, I was just living on self-knowledge and taking the information and fitting it to myself fitting it the way I wanted to see it. I couldn't get out of my own way until my way was going to kill me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Kathy Kay? Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. I appreciate all the shares I've just heard so much. And, and just uh, I could say ditto to everything, um, and we'll add that um, the first uh, 12 years I was in program, I operated on self-knowledge uh, pretty much alone. I was agnostic. Um, I had read the steps because I went to a lot of meetings where the steps were read, um, but I didn't do the steps. And underneath, uh, in my soul and heart, I still hang on, hung on to the idea that I wasn't really as sick as others because I did not have a lot of weight to lose. But what I did notice, even after 10, 12 years, is that um, I still uh, would binge occasionally, not very often, So I figured, well, it's not that bad. Um, And perhaps more importantly, um, my thinking was so distorted, not just about the food, but about everything around me. Um, And while I heard people talking of having transformed, I knew I I was still the same person I brought into program with my anxiety, my negativity, Um, my inability to uh, once and for all give up all my binge foods and never have to take an extra bite. 
um, and it was only upon um, meeting someone who, like me, had spent many years in the OA rooms but uh, still was suffering in some way that seemed uh, that that just couldn't be resolved. Um, and she told me about her experience working the 12 steps as they're laid out in the big book, and that's really what uh, opened my eyes um, to the possibility. I should say I learned so much in the first year I was in OA. I read every book and pamphlet. I went to many meetings. I learned an awful lot. Um, But it was not until 12 years later when I started working the steps with a qualified sponsor that I really, really took step one and and in my heart knew that I was very sick um, and that I was not able, even after 12 years, um, to apply self-knowledge to solve my problem. So I'm just so grateful this paragraph really, really is important, and uh, I always make sure to go over it, like many others, Uh, with my sponsees, um, because so many of us think that we're smart enough and there are certainly a lot of resources available to us, but it's not the same as really accepting our powerlessness. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Lassa O. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I am Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Reader, calling from Florida. And self-knowledge uh, revealed me nothing. And it's not that I did not try out there uh, to explore, to experiment. It brought me into exhaustion. It was getting worse and worse, you know, until I came to the program. I think I was just so ready and so willing to listen and just listen and listen and to do what other people were doing that were, that came before me, that they struggled or, or they got the abstinence right away. And I think I was just in so much pain. I was willing and ready to listen. Yes, I explored, experimented out there looking for the right um, how to lose weight with different programs. Uh, I'll just use one of them. I had gone to the Weight Watchers, um, and one of again one of them was Weight Weight Watchers, and I took took the weight off. I became like a life member of of their program, but I could never keep it off. And if I gained two pounds, then I had to pay, you know, to to start all over again. And I I didn't have money in those days. I didn't I. And I couldn't do it anyways. And all the tricks I played, you know, I wore the heaviest clothes you could put on. The first meeting I went to, the Weight Watchers, so the next time when, when I was really smart, I was clever. So I, I took, you know, the heavy clothes off and I wore, you know, lighter clothes. But that's the craziness, the craziness that I had done over the years when I was into the food. I mean, the running, the exercising, reading all kinds of books on how to to take the weight off or how to diet. Um, and, that, you know, again, taking off and on 
hundreds and hundreds of pounds over my lifetime. And again, um, I was ready to surrender, and I was willing to surrender. I said, I, you know, I didn't have the power. I didn't have the control anymore. So I was ready to find a power greater than myself to help me. I didn't know the allergy of the body with the mental obsession. When I started reading the big book, it was just amazing. And then the, the 12 steps. And I said to myself, I'm dying anyway, so why don't take this um, simple uh, spiritual tool that they are offering in this program, you know, program. And um, I'm just so grateful that, you know, I became abstinent right from the first night. And I don't want to ever, ever go back to that pain, ever, ever. And that's why I am doing what I'm doing. And I'm just so grateful to be here with every one of you and to identify and share my pain and the suffering, you know, that I don't have to continue. I didn't have to continue. I had a choice, you know, throw yourself faster in the program or you could just say, oh, this is not for me. But it was for me. So thank you. And I'm grateful for, the al- for Alcoholics Anonymous and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Hi, this is Naomi. Could I share? <clears throat> okay, we'll let one more share with Naomi. We'll take your share, and then we'll move on with Du to reading the next paragraph. Go ahead, go ahead, Naomi. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, visionaries. Well, this this is just amazing, but the actual potential alcoholic, with hardly exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Well, it's got my name written all over the place. And I went as far as having the lap band. And I was going to be cured. And I put that gastroenterologist as my higher power. And then after, and it worked in the beginning. It was wonderful. I got half a few bites. And he, and even one time I, we went as far as he had to make an adjustment to the band. He cut me open in his office. And then he stitched me up again. And that was on a Wednesday. And Friday night I had a red ring around my stomach. I had developed an infection. I immediately go to the emergency room. I was put on the IV antibiotic. And later on, I was told if I didn't take care of it, I could have died from this infection. And it's like all in name of trying to lose weight. That that was insanity for me. And when I walked into OA and... I walked into a big book study, and I'm thinking, well, my problem is food. What are we reading about alcohol? As soon as I dropped one word and picked up another one, it was just, it was like a miracle that happened to me. And then working through the steps and having a, a guide from vision and listening to vision every single morning, it has just, it's so much more. I, I've heard it on these lines about you know, in the OA meetings where abstinence is the most important thing in my life. That, oh, that just, that gets me crazy. Because when life comes up on God's terms, I need the steps. I need, I need my recovery through my higher power. And by God's grace, I am recovered. And it is God. It is a higher power the higher power that gets me through things. It's working these steps. It's living in 10, 11, and 12 every single day. This is the only way I can manage my life. I am a true compulsive overeater. I'm 67 years young. 
I've my first diet when I was eight years old. The doctor gave me a list of foods not to eat, so I went home and I put it on the counter, and that was it. So, my solution and the only solution for this alcoholic is working the steps every day and the closeness to my higher power. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. I will now ask Du L to read the next paragraph on page 39, beginning with Fred is partner. Good morning. This is Du L, a recovered compulsive overeater. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home. He's happily married and the father of a promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it was Fred. To all appearances, he was a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor uh, intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred could not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that this humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober for the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Um, yeah, I, I love how the big book, this is due, uh, L Recover Compulsive Overeater, and I just love the way the big book outlines this. First, it gives you the actual problem. It describes it in detail, and then afterwards it gives you the example. And the part that is focusing on here is if you're an actual, a real alcoholic, a potential alcoholic, with hardly any exception, you will absolutely be unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And now it's going to give us the example of Fred, who um, they're describing that. He had everything going for him. He had personality. He had children. He had, he had everything going for him. And, and to all appearances, he was stable and well-balanced, but yet he was an alcoholic. So this is the key. Yet he was an alcoholic. If you're an alcoholic, if you are the real thing, if you are the one that is a potential, also the potential, um, it's going to demonstrate certain things in you. The first thing that we see here is that he's having a physical condition, bad case of jitters where he ends up in the hospital. You know, this disease is physical as well as mental. And the first thing that appears is a physical, right? So if I ingest my binge foods, the physical, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to, you know, uh, eventually this disease is progressive and it gets worse and worse and worse. And this is the beginning for Fred, you know, where, where the physical is manifesting already. He's already having a nervous condition. He's already going to the doctor. Um, and, and yet the disease, the mental obsession, 
and I wanted to point that out, is where it says he went to the doctor to um, to get his to justify his behavior by saying he's going to rest his nerves. Yet the doctors tell him that's not your condition. Your your condition is far worse than what you think it is. You know, because he's trying to let him know he's he's the real deal. He's an alcoholic, and uh, Fred is not believing that. And that's part of our mental obsession. The mental obsession is that we do not believe the truth. We rather believe the lie because we want to control our drinking. We want to control the outcome of how to how to introduce those binge foods into our, our food plan, you know, and still keep binging and not have the consequences of compulsive overeating. And and so that's what's happening to Fred here, that he's not admitting that because he's he he realizes in his innermost self that if he had to admit this then he had to let go of the drink. You know, he had to let go of that alcoholic drink, that alcoholic substance. The other thing that I see here is that Fred is not willing to accept spiritual help. He's not willing to accept anything other than what he can do for himself. And he says it. He says, when the alcoholic problem was introduced to him by recovered people, um, he accepted some of the symptoms, not all of it. See, when I'm a real alcoholic, I need, to, I need to fully concede to my innermost self that I am the real deal. If not, this is not going to work, you know, because I'm going to think that I'm going to control, I'm going to suck out all the information out of you, that I'm going to do what I want to do for my personal gain. And my personal gain is to gain control of my binge foods. My personal gain is to control the outcome of my situation in my life. And if you're the real deal, that's not going to happen because this disease is progressive and eventually it will get you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do L. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula D. May I share? Sure, Paula D. Anyone else before Paula goes that wants to get on the roster? Wow. Go ahead, Paula D. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and thank you again. Wonderful to start with gratitude. My name is Paula D. I am a compulsive eater today, recovered by the grace of God and living in Florida at this present time. You know, I want to take a step back, just take a step forward, or maybe I should say downward according to these readings. It says, this is a point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize, say again and again. A point is very sharp. It pierces. For me, it had to pierce my ego. And then we go on with Fred, which I can walk right alongside. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearances, oh, how we try to keep those appearances up. He is stable, well-balanced individual, yet. In other words, for yet is nevertheless, he is an alcoholic. And I want to go to some words that we use here. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. I've been there. Far from admitting to take or accept is true. Oh, no. He was an alcoholic. He told himself, well, of course, nobody else would. He came to the hospital to rest his nerves. Yet another lie. Then again, we read again. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and in standing, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. Believe, may I repeat, to accept is true. 
much less expect, accept a spiritual remedies for his problem. I know I'm closing in on my time, but I want to go to the next page. He was interested in conceited, wait, to accept as true that he had some of the symptoms. But he was a long way, oh, and that the truth, from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself, that ego that must be pierced. He was positive that this humiliating experience over and over again, plus the knowledge of the knowledge, information, not transformation, he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Here, too, I could go along with Fred. Self-knowledge would fix it. Really? Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Anne-Marie M. Leah. I heard Anne-Marie M. and Leah M. Was there a third person? Nicole S. Nicole S. is in Sam? Yes. Okay. Anne-Marie M. Good morning. Thank you for um, your service. This is Anne-Marie M., a recovered compulsive eater, um, still in Rhode Island visiting. The sentence that really popped out to me, um, and it was just mentioned, was um, it was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. I remember being ashamed of myself before I even realized that this was a disease or that there was something wrong with me. I just thought I was a bad person, a glutton, a pig. The things that I thought about myself, I don't think I would say or think about my worst enemy. I was so down on myself. And that self-pity, that just kept me more into myself. You know, all the negativity I felt about myself, I just couldn't get outside of myself. And what helped me, I think, the most was when, in the doctor's opinion, on page Roman numeral uh, 28XXVIII, that first paragraph, um, and he's saying we, as in the, this is the doctor saying other doctors, we believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the ph- phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average tempered uh, drinker. And so that helped me to understand that this is a disease I had. I needed to accept it. Unlike Fred here, at this point, he's not accepting it. I needed to accept that I have a disease. This is not a moral issue. And to continue to beat myself up, put myself down, criticize and judge myself was only just more selfishness and self-centeredness. So it was really important to me and helpful for me to understand this as a disease and that there is a solution, but not to continue to batter myself. Thank you again, and I'll pass. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. Leah M.? Thanks so much, Rebecca. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, and also Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. And also he was positive that this humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober the rest of his life. You know, and I can identify into that. You know, uh, my disease took hold of me at a very, very young age. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, 
you know, despite years of involvement with psychology and therapy and self-help and all the knowledge that I had gained about eating disorders, um, you know, those methodologies did not allow me to see the defects and these old ideas and attitudes that dominated me that kept uh, pushing me with the obsession of the mind back into those bags and boxes. You know, so all this knowledge... Uh, I did not realize the depths to which this disease was going to continue to drag me because I thought I had it under control. And if you can't take step one, just like Fred here, if you cannot take step one, you can't take step two. You know, because almost powerlessness does not work in this business because almost powerless meant I almost needed a sponsor and I almost needed to separate myself from all my trigger foods and I almost needed to write a complete fourth step inventory and I almost needed to uh, proceed through the uh, additional steps and I almost recovered, which is valueless because almost having a relationship with God is like not having a relationship with God, you know, and I got beaten to a pulp by this illness, absolutely beaten because this was a recipe for disaster for Fred and it was a recipe for disaster for someone like me because it's a nasty brew of denial, pride, arrogance, self-reliance, entitlement, and a defiance that I do not want to be one. I don't want to buy this package. I hear what you're teaching me. I see the words on the page, but I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to be this way. I don't want to live this way. And until I was beaten to a pulp, I was almost going to do this thing. And the reality is after all that accumulated knowledge and information, presumably what I did not know was what I did not know prior to January 19, 1987, to be exact, is how does Leia live in Leia without having to compulsively overeat to tolerate it? Because I binged to change the way I felt and to make the world less threatening. And, and something came between me those 28 years ago and has been between me and compulsive overeating ever since. And that's called this recovery process. And my personal transformation has been profound, and it continues to evolve. And human words are inadequate, actually, to express the experience. But all I know is I was beaten to a pulp until I was fully ready to admit, you know what, I am one of these. I am one, 100% of me, every fiber of my being is in. Is in. And please, God, save me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Nicole S. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm um, a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. And um, I really like uh, where this says that it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. And uh, that was me for so many years. Um, I never truly accepted that I was a hopeless, helpless, compulsive overeater, and I kept trying and trying different methods to control it, and um, it never it never occurred to me that, that I couldn't do this on my own, um, and even when I, when I did start uh, OA and went, went into the rooms of OA, um, I never really got this, and 
I just thought that, you know, now I had, um, you know, group support. And the group I was in was just, um, you know, that serenity was kind of the attitude with everybody. Um, and when when I started OA, um, you know, I just had a, I did work the steps and, and really got a lot from it. Um, but I never, uh, we were working through the OA literature and um, I couldn't get past the, the AA literature just talking about alcohol. I didn't think it applied to me at all. And for some reason, I know it's in the OA literature, but I could not get it that I am, you know, helpless, hopeless condition um, and that I have to truly accept that, that I am 100% a compulsive reader and that I can't fix it on my own. Um, so for years and years, I tried and tried to fix it on my own, and um, it never worked until I could absolutely accept um, and it, you know admit that I am a compulsive overeater. I can't recover on my own. I have to completely let go of any glimmer of hope that I'm going to be able to just power drive on my own self-knowledge, self-will, self-strength, um, and uh, recover from this. And as soon as I completely got beaten um, to a point of, of absolute desperation and um, I was I was finally able to turn that over and work through the steps in the big book and um, and recover and so I'm so grateful for that and that's all I have thank you for letting me share thank you Nicole S this is Rebecca and I'm F from Connecticut and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater we only have a few minutes left, so I figured I'd jump in instead of opening it up because what if a number of people wanted to share? Um, what I'm thinking about with these, this paragraph is the, knowledge, the notion of self-knowledge. And, um, you know, we undergo a transformation, a spiritual transformation when we do these steps, but until we do, we don't know what that's like. I didn't know what that was like anyway. I couldn't even fathom what it was like. All I had was self-knowledge. All I had was pulling myself up by my bootstraps. All I had was relying on myself or on other professionals who you know, could teach me what to do, give me self-knowledge so that I could rely on myself. Self, 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 self. But until we put the food down 100%, every equivalent of beer, wine, whiskey, whatever, um, our version of that, which requires rigorous honesty, and do these steps while the food is down, we don't have a clue what else is available to us besides self-knowledge and self-self-self. But there is something, and those of us who have undergone this transformation stand before those of us who are still suffering as evidence that if you do what those of us in the first 100 did, then you can have what we and they have, which is beyond our wildest dreams. We can't imagine what it's like because we have nothing to relate to, to, and you know, put it into our self-knowledge. So 
I invite those of you who are still dabbling in the food and unwilling to 100% admit that the food that you're eating is killing you to try it. Try it. Jump in the whole way, 100%. Just try it and see for yourself that there's something more out there than what you yourself is capable of doing. And with that, you not only will receive the gift of sobriety, but so many more gifts beyond your wildest dreams. That's my experience and those who have gone before me, and it's available to every single one of us if we are just willing to relinquish self. And with that, I will pass. And it is time for Sharon R.S. Let's see. Wait a minute. Let me do this in order. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sharon R.S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. And uh, welcome to all who are on the phone. I'm Sharon R.S., a recovered compulsive reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Thank you, Sharon R.S. I now invite everyone who cares to to please press star 1 to unmute so we can say the serenity prayer together. Someone's uh, 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 uh,